Well, welcome to the Gospel for Planet Earth podcast. I'm your host, Carl Gessler, and today I'm bringing you a podcast that I did uh, a few years ago, several years ago, really. I'm not exactly sure how long. When I first started this podcast, um, I did it on a local radio station called WHKP, and I raised some funds and paid for a lot of it myself, so it was kind of an exhausting way to keep to, to continue doing it, so I pulled back from that and later uh, began to just do the podcasts uh, via um, home recording and uploading and all that good stuff. But uh, this was uh, from the early days of the Gospel for Planet Earth, a, a podcast I did uh, concerning the subject of the end of the world. And I want to say that um, while I don't think my views have changed too much, uh, the, I my thinking is always developing because I'm always reading the scriptures. And I don't think that we ever arrive um, at a point where we know it all, obviously, but uh, that may seem obvious, but I think a lot of times we do come to the scriptures with the idea that um, we have to, we adhere to the right systematic formula, and then we are orthodox. But God is not confined, he's not uh, explained by mere formulas or by uh, science, uh, he's not broken down like that, he's a, a personality, and Jesus is a human being, and uh, they they are um, more more complex than that in a beautiful way. And so as we read the Bible, as we walk with the Lord, um, we are bound to change. And if we stop changing, I think it's only because uh, we've stopped listening. So, of course, doctrine and truth don't change, but our comprehension and our articulation of those truths um, do change. And sometimes we even d- discover that we learn something completely different that trumped what we thought we knew before. And uh, so just as we listen to this, it's actually interesting for me to listen back to what I've said in the past and to hear ways that I've agreed and also ways where I would want to maybe word that differently or maybe I disagreed altogether. But I hope you'll find it interesting and look forward to hearing you dialogue with us. Uh, you can always visit us at thegospelforplanetearth.com. Uh, you can also um, do check out our Facebook page where you can see live podcasts, some of them from our road trip, which we're currently on. Um, we should be in Kansas by now. And uh, so you can go to gospel. You just go to Facebook, type in your search engine, gospel, the number four earth, gospel for earth. Uh, but e- the easier way is to just go to our webpage, thegospelforplanetearth.com or Carl Gessler, Carl with a K, dot com and then click on the tour tab and you will find our facebook feed there um so looking forward to meeting you via the website and uh love to hear your comments on the end of the world and we will see you next week on the gospel for planet earth yeah and uh proverbs 17 verse 24 says that wisdom is in the presence of the one who has understanding but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth and I want to talk a little bit today about the end of the world. Uh, but first, I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, City Tire Service, just up the street from WHKP. You can reach them at 692-8243. And uh, I always go there to get my tires changed because it's uh, convenient. They're open at 7. Uh, they're always efficient and good good service and good prices. Uh, so I recommend them highly and thank them for their support, and as well as continued support from Merrill Paint and Decorating. On the Greenville Highway, 1030 Greenville Highway, uh, 696-9880. And you can go there for all your painting and floor covering needs. And last but not least is Dale Epperson of Epperson's Tree Service. 
Uh, Dale is a certified arborist and can help you with uh, your hemlocks and um, difficult removals and anything that has to do with cutting down trees and foliage. And you can reach him at 606-4980 or 606-4979. Yeah, so the end of the world, that is a very... um, uh, well, I think we're only going to be able to scratch the surface, the surface of this topic today as it is a very huge topic in our uh, part of the world, um, which is very interesting because it seems that of, of all the uh, places in the world, America should be the least concerned with the ends of the, of the world, but we seem to be the most concerned with it. And it's also curious that uh, uh, many, many uh, people who are, um, who've spent their life drinking and sleeping under bridges uh, are also very um, willing to talk about the ends of the earth. I, I spoke, uh, I, I've oftentimes spoken to um, people on the street in different cities, and, uh, you know, a lot of times people don't talk about, uh, they don't like to talk about sin, they don't really like to talk about Jesus uh, so much, but they will talk about the ends of the earth. And I think it reminds me of uh, the story in Acts where Paul is talking to, um, I believe it was King Agrippa, it was one of the kings there either, I don't remember if it was Herod or um, a, a Roman lord, but he says, it says that when he st- began to speak about uh, conscience and righteousness, uh, that, that they got nervous and they wanted to change the subject. And I think we do that a lot and end up talking about the end of the world instead. If you want to be on the show today, the number is 693-9457 or 693-WHKP. And also you can visit our website, thegospelforplanetearth.com or visit us on Facebook and just type in your search engine, The Gospel for Planet Earth, and you can add your comments and um, questions. And also, I just wanted to give um, uh, a a little spiel here for iTunes. If you go to iTunes and just type in The Gospel for Planet Earth or type in my name, Carl, with a K, Gessler, and you will find um, that you can download uh, the podcast for free. And um, so I encourage you to do that. One other thing, in light of today's subject, uh, if you also go to iTunes and type in Fuller Theological Seminary and David Scholler, uh, David M. Scholler, uh, then you, he has a very uh, interesting two lessons. It's uh, from his teaching out in California in this theological seminary on the book of Revelation. And, and I encourage you to check that out. It's very fascinating. He's a man who... Uh, spent 1948 as a 10-year-old on his knees praying for Israel because he believed that Jesus was coming back in 1949 because Israel got their land back then. And uh, so he comes from that background, uh, but his uh, views on Revelation and and his understanding of it has changed quite dramatically since then, and uh, it's it's very interesting. Um, I was just scanning the newspaper as I was coming in here today, and it appears that in uh, the Mills River... um, Presbyterian Church that they're going to have a series of lectures or, or lessons on historical biblical studies and, and the life of Paul and the relationship between um, the French Revolution and and capitalism and uh, this man uh, Dr. Scruggs is going to be uh, organizing this and it sounds very much like the conference that I'm planning on doing in August uh, same concept anyway. Uh, called Meeting Jesus, which I encourage you to come to, uh, and you can see more about that on the website on August 4th. But it's uh, very interesting, 
Um, and it's something that if I can go to, I plan on attending at this uh, Presbyterian Church in Mills River uh, with the historical perspective, uh, a historical perspective on Paul. And in this newspaper article today, he says that he's not a uh, theologian. He's coming at it from the, the angle of a historian. And when you read people who claim to be historical about uh, the Bible, you will find people who disagree very much. I'm very... Uh, a big fan, if you haven't picked up by now, of N.T. Wright, who I uh, read a lot of his books, and I find him very fascinating and helpful in understanding uh, this, the historical context of the scriptures, uh, which is really the only context that's historical, because if you take it out of its historical context, it, you're just making, you're making it up. Uh, but we have to understand it for what it is. But at the same time, there are plenty of people who say, I'm, I am not a theologian, I am historical, uh, you know that, uh, that a lot of uh, that that kind of is a perception of now I am non-biased because I'm historical. Well, we do this also when we say things like uh, I am biblical. Recently, I heard um, someone say that they were uh, working on a book uh, and they wanted to uh, promote the biblical view of eschatology. Everybody thinks that they have a biblical view of eschatology, but we, we differ very much from that. The views of Revelation and the end times and stuff can be very varying. And it's not it won't do just to say, well, ours is the biblical one or ours is the historical one. We need to look at history and we need to look at the Bible and we need to look at it with honesty and also humility, uh, which is really where the challenge lies in, in having humility uh, before each other and recognizing where we might be wrong and and being able to listen to the other person it's taken me a long time to realize that i didn't listen to other people very well but i hope that i've arrived at that day where i can perceive that and and listen to the other side of the argument without feeling personally threatened and one of the, the and i'm sure many people will feel slightly or maybe largely personal personally threatened by my views of the end times but one i'm not looking for the end of the earth I don't believe there will be an end of the earth. That is actually what uh, the gospel for planet earth is about. Uh, that it's good news not only for individual humans but for the whole planet because it's God's good creation that God has been committed to redeeming and reconciling to himself um, since day one. And um, so the, uh, there, I, I had a, uh, one time we asked for Bibles we were going to um, send out into some other countries that lack them but uh or actually it was a miscommunication anyway anyway long, short story is we got a bunch of bibles from people used bibles and it was very interesting to see the many different kinds of bibles uh they had the pure bible and they had a common bible and the catholic bible and the new uh translation or new paraphrased bible and it's very interesting but one of them was this uh it didn't say holy bible on on the front or the back it just was a dark picture of clouds really gloomy clouds and a big hand uh coming out of the cloud and a um sand uh timer a sand dial in his hand as he was uh carrying it as if time was running out and the world was about to be closed in and uh so here <laughs> i couldn't imagine handing this bible out on the street saying hey here's some good news the world is about to die it just doesn't strike me as good news. Um, you know, I was, again, listening to uh, a, a popular song by the New Newsboys, a Christian band, called Miracles. And um, the whole 
gist of the song is that I believe in miracles. And, you know, this is a funny thing that we do to do, uh, in the American church where we insist on miracles, that there, that there can be miracles, but then we always take it and say, well, and, and this is what the song does, the miracle is that you exist, and that is a miracle in itself. And, yes, it is. I mean, it is a miracle that any one of us exists, period. Um, but that's not the miracle that people are looking for. We know we exist, and that is if you will dwell on that, if you just think of the fact of creation itself, that you can put a seed into the ground and it can grow it into a huge tree, is a miracle. No one, You can observe it with science. You can say, well, the water helps it do this, and the dirt helps it do that, and the sun helps it do this. But none of us can say, well, why? Who, who, made, who made the sun? Why does the sun make it grow? Why does it have to react that way? It is a miracle. But it's not the miracle that we're looking for. We're all, we're all, all of us who are in existence are glad to be here, but what we want is the things that make our existence miserable to go away. What we want is for cancer to go away. What we want is for war to go away. What we want is for bitterness to go away, for guilt to go away. The things that steal our joy, the things that steal our life, those are the things that we want to go away. And it's when those things, it's when that happens, when cancer is healed, when a broken leg is mended, when a broken heart is mended, that's a miracle. And that's what we mean by wanting to see miracles. We want to see, it's the nature of the world for a, a child to be born and to grow. And uh, at some point in my life, I just thought of it in this light. It was, you grow and you bloom and then you start rotting. And that's basically, you know, you look at uh, anything in life, it, it, it kind of has its peak and then it starts withering and wilting. And that's actually what we're, what we do as human beings. We reach our peak and, and our youth and then we begin to shrink and shrivel and and stiffen up and and we start rotting and that is just the way life is and it's that's the part of the life that we're like we want a miracle we want to undo this thing that's uh that's killing us as soon as we start blooming it's that we like to bloom it's not that we want to get off of this planet we like we like blooming like that but we we want something to reverse the decaying we want something to change what seems what we call natural uh, the natural decay or the the second law of everything breaks down. We want that to uh, to be undone because that seems to be the natural way, but it's actually the unnatural way. It's it's we we were made to live forever, and and we want to live forever. We want uh, the things that are stealing that life to be undone, and that is why the gospel, if it's going to be good news. It's not about us escaping the world, but it's about just that, the miracle. With Jesus, uh, when Jesus was walking the earth and he healed um, people of leprosy and he opened the eyes of blind and he uh, made those who were crippled able to walk again, he was undoing the effects of evil. And, and he was doing things that, like when he touched the woman who had, um, uh, she who had been bleeding for years, According to the Jewish law, that should have made him unclean. But rather than him becoming unclean, he made her clean. And that's the whole. That's why there was such, such a stir about Jesus, because he was undoing what no one else could undo. People were saying, no one, we have never seen uh, someone's eyes open who was born blind. You know, people will lose their sight, and sometimes after a number of years, all of a sudden they get it back. And, and uh we, we explain this with science and say, well, there's a disconnect, and then it all of a sudden connected again. But uh, 
there's Jesus healed a man who was born blind, and no one's ever done that. And that so he was undoing those effects. Uh, why should we think that the salvation, uh, that God's plan for the world, is to do something different than that? Why do we think that He has to destroy it and be remo- uh, and just um, wipe it out? Uh, as it says that uh, God has promised, Paul says in Romans that He's promised to Abraham to inherit the world. Is God going to promise Abraham the world and then burn it up once He gets it, or? Well, what about Jesus? It says Psalm 2, which was a uh, very popular um, psalm in the life of the early church in talking about Jesus, that he will rule the nations, uh, that all the, the, the kings of the earth, um, all the, the kingdoms of the world will be given to him. Or do we expect that Jesus is going to get the kingdoms of the earth and then his role after that is going to be to destroy them? Or it says in the, the prophet Habakkuk that the, the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So do we expect that God is going to flood the earth with his glory and then burn it up as so much rubbish? What is God's plan for the world? And what was Jesus coming to do? Well, as I mentioned earlier, as far as his being saying, well, my view is historical and my view is biblical, we do need to listen to each other, and I know one thing that uh, many people would bring up is Second Peter chapter 3, where Peter says this, Know this first of all, this is starting in verse 3, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, coming after their own lusts, following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. So since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed and, bur- and by burning, and the elements will, men- will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So a lot of people would say, well, there's the- there you go. The end of the story, God's going to burn it all up. But we need to take, take into account rhetoric and um, the picture language that is often used in the scriptures. Uh, but not only that, the rest of the scriptures... Uh, the, the rest of the context of the scriptures. In nowhere in the Gospels do you find Jesus preaching about the end of the world. He does preach about what many people have believed to be about the end of the world. He preaches about the destruction of Jerusalem. But as, uh, as someone has pointed out before that, the, why would Jesus be... He's, he's struggling to tell his disciples about the fact that he's going to die and uh, and be raised to life. And he's trying to get them to understand that, and they aren't comprehending that. Why would we think that he's going to tell us, uh, tell his disciples that afterwards really specific details about what's going to happen to 
2,000 plus years in the future. That would just be wasting his breath. Um, but taking this one passage from Second Peter first, uh, he says that the present heavens, uh, or he, he speaks about the flood and how it says the world at that time was destroyed being flooded with water. Well, if you go back to the Genesis account of the flood, the world was destroyed with water, but then again, when the water went away, the earth was still there. It was cleansed. It was purified. Uh, it was sanctified. It was, it was uh, uh, washed clean by the flood. It wasn't destroyed, destroyed. It wasn't oblit uh, obliterated. It, uh, it was still there. And this is, again, and I talked about this when we uh, were talking about resurrection, that Jesus, too, was given a new body, and yet his old body was his new body. It was his old body reconstituted, re remade, uh, so that it's new in the sense that it's different, but it's not new in the sense that it left the old behind. You couldn't go into the tomb. No one went into the tomb and found the old Jesus' body. The new Jesus was also the old Jesus, but it was resurrected it was renewed it was washed in the recreating power of the word of god and uh, what i'm saying is that that is also this is i believe the biblical uh understanding of this is that what happened to jesus's body is going to happen to all of creation as well and paul touches on this when he says that all, in romans 8 that all creation is groaning waiting for its redemption uh, and uh, the revealing of the sons of God so that it can share in the freedom of the sons of God, that the creation was subjected to corruption and futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Uh, and, and so it's waiting for its freedom. And when those who have been set over creation to govern it, mankind, when we are set free, we begin to set creation free as well. Because... A major part of the problem, it's not, entirely, uh, it's not entirely our fault, but a major problem with uh, the things in this world that are wrong is because men exploit uh, the, the things that we have on the earth to set ourselves up as kings, to lord it over each other, and we end up uh, damaging our own, um, kind of like cutting off your nose to spite, to spite somebody. You hurt your own self in order to, uh, to win, and, and uh, when when humans are set right, when we begin to care about justice, the whole creation will begin to be set right. Uh, but uh, again, it won't be completely done, though, as, as I've mentioned in previous shows, that it won't be completely finished until Jesus himself finishes the project. But it's our job to begin to implement, God, implement God's justice and righteousness in the world. Um, and like I said, this is just a scratching the surface of this topic, and, and I'm sure many people... Have probably already written me off, but actually, I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear, uh, you know, your objections to this because I do believe I'm very confident in the fact that if we were to dive into the scriptures and and, uh, and dwell there for a long time, that we would be able to come out with a comprehensive understanding that the Bible does make sense through and through, um, and that uh, these these there are answers to these questions. And, and it's my prayer that, you know, the whole Meeting Jesus conference is, is for that purpose of going, we're going to go through the entire Gospel of Mark in order to understand what Jesus' mission was really about just from the scriptures and um, trying to work it out. Because we have, I, I believe the church has fragments of understandings of different doctrines 
and uh, views of the world that really, when you try to put them together, they don't mesh. They don't make sense as a one big package or one big story. Uh, but I think if we will allow the, uh, it, it, I think if we re-educate ourselves on the scriptures, um, then there is we can make progress in uh, having a better unity in our theology, uh, but especially having unity in the spirit as part of it is that we get humbled by the fact that we don't know all the answers and we learn to respect each other because we love Jesus. And uh, so, you know, I encourage you to write in about about this subject, about the end of the world. Tell me what you think, uh, because it's the conversation that we need to have so that we can understand what our, our role is as a church. What are we supposed to be doing? How do you get ready for the end of the world anyway? If let's just say I'm wrong and that the world is about to end and, uh, you know, we're in the last days. I know a lot of people think, well, one thing we need to be doing is fighting for Israel, uh, which has its own contradictions with Scripture and Jesus' teaching uh, about uh, about the way that the kingdom is advanced. And uh, there, there are plenty of things to wrestle with on that topic. Um, and these are, uh, you know, vital things to take care of. You know, there's, there are many uh, problems in the world, and a lot of people just brush them off and say, well, we're in the end times anyway. Like, well, we might as well not deal with that because it's all about to burn and why waste our time, you know. Uh, at least uh, let's get people's tickets punched for heaven, get them to say their prayer, and know maybe their lives are still uh, just as sinful as they ever were, but at least they're ready for heaven. Let's not let's not shortcut the gospel. The gospel is better than that, and it is hoped for right now, and it makes sense through and through without the scripture. So visit us on the gospel for planet Earth dot com, and uh, I'd love to hear from you, um, as I'm sure there are many many people who are uh, itching to set me straight on this. At least I hope there are many people out there. As long as there are many people out there listening, then. I hope there are many people that are waiting to set me straight. Uh, one last thing. Uh, in Revelation uh, chapter 11, the, it says that the, the an angel says that um, there's going to be a time. Where, oh, let me read, just read it here. It says, The nations were enraged and your wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged uh, and to reward your bondservants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. So why does God want to destroy those who destroy the earth if his plan is to destroy the earth himself? Think about it.